Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Matty Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Hi, this is David Frangioni, CEO and publisher of Modern Drummer Magazine. So excited about our new podcast, The Modern Drummer Podcast. This weekly podcast will bring Modern Drummer to life. Sit back and enjoy fresh, fun, and insightful conversations with today's top drummers, producers, musicians, beat makers, and craftsmen. Whether you're a professional, a hobbyist, drummer, musician, programmer, producer, or just love music, this show is for you. Every other week, the Modern Drummer Podcast will feature world-renowned producer, songwriter, and drummer, Narda Michael Walden. Narda Michael Walden's Upbeat is featured exclusively on the Modern Drummer Podcast. Hey everybody, this is your brother Nardo Michael Walden, presenting in this week's episode, the genius drummer Todd Sugarman. He's so brilliant with his flams, his, his ratamacues, his drum rolls, his foot, his cleanliness. He might, might as well call him Mr. Clean. He plays with so much cleanliness and beauty and sparkleness and keeps Tony Williams alive in his heart. He studied Tony when he was a little kid. His dad was a drummer and, and you know, it's all firing through him. And, and the reason I caught a fire to him, we played Carnegie Hall together on the Rainforest. And he was with the Beach Boys, and I'm, of course, with the, with the, with the Rainforest Band for Sting and all those cats. And on comes Todd, just killing it. And I was so impressed by him. So I'm so happy he's on my interview this week. Um, Billy Amendola and my man David over there. And we love everybody. And please sit back and enjoy this great interview on this cat who's a hot shot with the Beach Boys, with sticks, with everything he touches. He's just got the, the genius touch. We love him so much. Welcome, Todd. Todd Sugarman. Here you go. Yes, we're ready for perfection. Yeah. Oh, you are pure perfection. Yes, you are. When you play your drums, you are pure perfection. Yes, you are. And we love you. You are pure perfection. 
Yes, you are. Hey, good day, bro. You're going to make me cry. How are you, man? I want to make you cry, man. You make us cry. It's time, uh, for you to, it's time for you to cry. Time for you to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful to see you. Good to see you too, man. Good to see you too. Yeah, man. How do you feel today? I feel great. And you know what? I have to thank you. Well, I have to thank you for a lot of things, but for this one thing in particular, uh, I have to thank you for uh, your encouragement to dress up because I, I bought this uh, lovely uh, Paul Smith corduroy uh, jacket right before the touring ended. And I looked at it in my closet. I'm like, I've never worn that before. So uh, you gave me a reason to put on a jacket today. So thank you for making me feel um, uh, snazzy. Today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, great. Yeah, man, with this new show we have upbeat. Um it's just time that we inspire the people who love music. And what you put down, man, is so clean and so pure that it's really my delight to talk to you today and to give you a chance to say anything you want to the audience who will watch our show in our future. So right off the right off the right off the right off the bat, anything you want to say to us, we're all ears to you, Todd. You know, I, I'm just, I'm happy to be here. I'm thankful for uh, our uh, health. I'm thankful for music. Um, you know, you, you could look at anything that's presented to you in life one way or, or the other. And uh, though I have a tendency to, to sometimes careen into a, a Woody Allen type direction, ultimately I always go to looking for the silver lining in the, in the, in the gifts is, is always my ultimate realization. So I, I could say that I'm, though I miss my uh, fellow human beings, I miss touring, I miss my band, I, I miss all the things. It's also a gift for me to watch my daughter grow up every day, which is something that would not happen. Uh, it's also a gift that I'm discovering new things about myself right over there. I wouldn't necessarily have the time to do if I were in a hotel room preparing, you know, to play another show. So everything is a perspective and how you choose to uh, to roll with it. You know, um, I, I could very easily go in a dark place if I wanted to walk down that path and think about all the things that are not. But I have to look and think about all the things that are. And that's that's really what I'm, I'm taking this time to do. Beautiful, man. Beautiful, beautiful. I remember when I first heard you in Carnegie Hall uh, at the Rainforest with Sting and the Cats, and you came on with, with Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, and you were just slaying it. I mean, just like shattering it, man. I was like, damn. Then we got a chance to play together the last song. Mm -hmm. That was a great, great, a great delight for me. So anything you want to say about that, man? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I have a lot of things I want to say about that. I mean, it, it's... You know, I mean, I sort of danced in and out of the Brian Wilson camp because I, I was the first drummer that did the first tour of Sticks on, on a Hiatus. And um, I had recommended Taylor Mills, who's the woman that ended up uh, being my wife. Uh, so, so there are many times where I was, you know, Jim Hines is the drummer, Mike D'Amico is the drummer, and I would sort of fly in, you know, and go to London when they would be there playing 12 shows and uh, and kind of hang out, and I would be the stage wife, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so that was right in another period there where what, when I met you there, this guy that was uh, 2008, uh, May, of, May of 2008, and I, I was available, and I just uh, did, uh, I just recorded uh, that Lucky Old Son record, and I said, hey, do you want to do uh, the show Carnegie Hall with, you know, of course, my goodness. So, you know, the fact that you were there, Sting, obviously, you know, Billy, uh, was it Billy Joel, yeah. John Sebastian, um, James Taylor, um, 
I'm sure I'm missing a few others, but it, it was. Was, it was, was, El, was Elton John there that year? No. Okay. Oh, that's right. a different year. But like, okay. you know, Will, Will Lee and Hiram, yeah. uh, you, uh, Larry Carlton, Tom Bones Malone. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just kind of one of those. And, and at Carnegie Hall, for goodness sakes, you know, the, the whole thing was like a, just a, a, a beautiful dream. And, you know, I, I, I remember looking back the first time and you were behind the drums. You had the flowers on the drums. And I'm like, hey. And you're like, hey. <laughs> it was such a cool, cool thing. It, I mean, it was only what there's like a kind of the setup rehearsal day and then it's the show really isn't it like 48 hours and that's it well yeah i do i do one day of band going through all the charts i do the second day with talent all the singers and then we do the next day which will be the third day of sound checking and show at night so yeah okay yeah. So that's I, I came in at the very end, you know, yeah, uh, right. for, for that. But uh, it, it was such a beautiful thing, and like you, you were so cool, and your 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 spirit was amazing. And I, I have to tell you this: I'm not even sure if I told you this then, but you know, I I wrote Steve Smith a letter through Modern Drummer when I was 12 years old, and he wrote me back a six-page handwritten letter, complete. And this is in the middle of Journey Hysteria with uh, transcriptions and he listed a couple albums that told me that I need to get and one was uh, uh, Visions of the Emerald Beyond with you so that's you know, I was 12 years old and I'm going out and I'm seeking out that record and hearing that and I'm able to go oh, okay I hear where he got, got some of these <laughs> things from so uh, I, I'm not sure I, I, I told you that then or not but I, I can tell you that now uh, oh, so very kind, right? thank you for that yeah thank you too that's wonderful thank you Gosh, Steve Smith, a wonderful cat, man. He's like you, man. He's got so much, um, you know, command of what he does. So much uh, perfection in what he does as well. And um, the fact that you guys have been friends since you were 12. Well, yeah, I mean, our, our orbits crossed many times through the years, but it sort of, you know, it wasn't until I was sort of, you know, do, doing something of any, you know, actually gigging. But I, but I've, I have weird pictures of... of you know, seeing him at, I'm sorry about that, uh, seeing him at, at, at clinics um, in 84, in 86, in 1992, I knew he was going to be at this music store. And um, we sat with a snare drum in between us for about a half hour and, and, and him showing me things. And I, I was kind of like, yeah, how am I doing here? You know, <laughs> such beautiful things that, uh, he, well, you know how, how, small the world is and how small our business is and orbits and little yes. things keep yes. uh crossing or passing and, and coincidences seem to be um often a commonplace thing you know yeah. so that was just one of those things i actually i have i have a picture right here that I, I just had for another uh another podcast that probably would be, be a glare that's he and i playing uh together oh. at uh drum fantasy camp a couple years ago very in beautiful. Chicago, at a club that I used to play at when I was, you know, a wee lad. Well, that's what I want to ask you about, because I'm from, I'm from Kalamazoo, Michigan, not far from Chicago. My father's from Chicago. Your dad's from Chicago. Speak mm. about Chicago and what that does to you in your blood, in your brains, in your soul. Okay. Um, you know, I think there's, well, you, you, you have it. You have a Midwestern work, work yeah, ethic, right? That's right. There's that's something right. about in, in the Midwest where if you're supposed to be somewhere at 10 a.m., you're there at 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. There's no waltzing in at, at, at 10.25 and, and just right. saying, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, other places are a little lax. When I moved to California, I saw that people were definitely a little bit more lax with the time out there. And that's, that's fine, but that's 
there's something about the, the, the work ethic where, matter of fact, there was, um, there were a couple jingle producers where if you weren't there a half hour early, you were considered late. Oh, I got you. Okay. So it, it came from that type of thing. And there were some jingles that we did that we finished it. We read it down in one take and, and the producer said, well, that's it. And we were done at 835 in the morning when it was a nine o'clock session. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're really early. All right. So what, yeah. what about this? What about the seasons? How did that affect you? The winters and the, the windy city? I, I think, I think, you know, having had the experience as I'm sure you had of loading out, you know, drums out of a trunk of a car when there's two and a half feet of snow on the ground or having to go down some club stairs, you know, with the, the snow and ice, you know, falling off your boots with, with every step and you got to be really careful. Mm -hmm. um, I think that does something uh, to the, um, the character of what you're doing because it's one thing to be playing music. It's all the other things that have to, to, to come with it. I, I remember playing uh, this club called the Jazz Bulls in the early 90s in Chicago. And there was no parking lot. It was in this sort of residential slash restauranty area. And you'd double park, unload the drums. And then sometimes you'd park like three, four, five blocks away, double parking Chicago style somewhere. Now, that gig was from 9 to 4 a.m., so now it's four o'clock in the morning. It's a Wednesday night in February. It's six degrees outside. You look out, you see the snow still coming down and you put on your coat to go get your car. You've torn down your drums and you walk out and you go, I played this place so many times. I don't remember where I parked my car. Ooh, and you're it. alone in that cold silence of the snow that how it, how it you know, it kind of silences everything. I think I parked up Lincoln Avenue. And so you got to walk in six degree weather to try and find your car. You find your car, you have the celebration by yourself. Yay! Yeah, right, <laughs> you can right, go home. Right, right, right. Okay, um, this, 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 I'm going to keep going on you. There's something about the way that you have to care for setting your drums up in bad weather, care about making it on time. Speak about the love what that is, where that's coming from deep inside you that makes you do that. Well, and that you, makes you play with that perfection that you're doing. Speak about it. Well, you know, you, you, you have it too. And when, when, when we fall in love with these things, mm -hmm. we have to do it. We have to do it. And then we, we love doing it. And if you're lucky, you enjoy the process of improving and discovery. You don't look at that as a laborious thing. And, you know, granted, I was a, I was a much younger man back then, but, <laughs> I, I, you know, I would, I would play a wedding and I'd bring four toms and eight cymbals. You know, I didn't yeah. do that. I'm just going to bring a four piece of crash and ride and get through the gig. If I'm going to play for three, four hours, I'm going to have fun. And if I want to China on my left, I'm going to have it there, you know? Yeah. So that was sort of the attitude that I always took and schlepped a big, giant, heavy, body bag of a hardware bag with all the stands to hold up, you know, eight symbols to hotel ballrooms and, you know, everything that a working drummer does to compound and, and accelerate their career. But I think that all comes from the love of doing it. And I think one reason, Narda, that drummers in particular have a, a particular, an amazing camaraderie, an amazing love yes. for each other, yes. is there's a certain thing that's the plight of the drummer. 
we have to choose a car that will fit our stuff. We have to choose where we're going to live, where we can store. Can we play here? Can we not play here? Can, um, can my roommate deal with it? Can, all, all these things that you have to, to think about. And ultimately, here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll move the ca- this way for a second. Yeah. A lot of times when we're the first ones at the gig and we're the last ones to leave. So, it, you know, all of a sudden the singer leaves with the girl that you had your eye on all night. And then it's <laughs> all alone yeah, yeah, yeah. at the end of the evening. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just you alone tearing down the stuff. And you get in your car, you got to go home because you don't want your drums stolen, right? You're not going to go to the after party somewhere and just leave your drums parked in a car somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Okay. Now I'm, I'm, I'm still pushing on you because I, I love you, man. Few cats have that burn. Cats in the Midwest were surrounded by the competition, whether you call it competition or not, cats who just like tigers. Few of them rise to the top because they just got that extra, extra thing. But at the bottom of it is a burn. They know how to, they know how to, they know how to get that funk in the thing and the thing makes you. You got that. Where'd you get that from? Uh, boy, that's a hard. Okay, may, may I for a second, it, it, with all due respect, I would like to ask you where you got that from. Because that, you, okay, dig it. If you have, you have a couple years on me. That's my question. Then okay, I'll, then right, I'll right, right. You. <laughs> because I'm interviewing you, man. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, man. You know, I, dude, I think it came from um, of just wanting to do my best and I wanting to, to make the music happen and, and make it happen for me and make it happen for whoever I might be playing with and for wh- whoever. I might be listening. If, if, if I don't have that, then what, what's, what's the point? You know what I mean? There, it has to, you know what? I'm so affected by music mm-hmm. that if I can do something where someone has any sort of similar feelings where they mm-hmm. dig what I'm doing, or what the music is doing, that that's a, a privilege in life. So I, I, I want to be a part of that. I, I never wanted to look at this as something to get through or get through the gig. You know, which is like, if, if you were to give me 20 songs yeah. and they're hard, I, and I had enough time, I didn't have to do it tomorrow. And like, okay, the gig's in a month. Mm-hmm. I would memorize all that music. That's right. That's top right. to bottom. I wouldn't write cheat sheets. I wouldn't get tried because I'm not trying to do something to get through the gig. I want to learn it and then be present and then be part of it and experience it and mold it. And, and and do things inside with the other musicians within there because I know it. I'm not just blowing through it to get through the gig to get money or to so have someone else make their money. Um, that that's a laborious prospect to me. So I, I want to be inside of everything. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's another side of it. Your father, your father's DNA coming through you. The fact that he loved drums, he played drums. That's got to affect that fire I'm talking about inside you. I know my father didn't play, but he wanted to be a drummer. So speak about the father aspect. Well, it, you know, again, this 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 kit right here was was my dad's in 1969 Slingerland with an 18-inch bass drum, which I didn't realize that was rare until a few years ago. But that's you know, little bob kit, 12, 14, 18, and he put himself through medical school playing the drums in uh, in the 30s and 40s. My dad was, if my dad were, were alive, he'd be 101. Congrats. And uh, so 
he he loved playing and he did some road work but he had a he became a doctor he had a practice he really couldn't do it to that level so he was very content still being involved in music and i think for me being that he was so supportive and you know we saw buddy rich together live when i was you know seven or eight years old and he would let me stay up and watch you know carson you know when he was on and stuff like that and he took me to see louis belson there is that father and son bond that happens and then you know every boy wants to please his father or impress his father yes. so th there's there's that and and i would say kind of if you allow me to kind of cream off into another yeah. topic for yeah. for a moment the, the reason why i have everything that you see behind me the way it is mm -hmm. is for two reasons one if I'm, I'm sure you remember drums limited and frank's drum shop in chicago yes, of course oh, of course so as a boy going down there all the time with my father, because my father's office was right around the corner from there. Okay. Okay. So Wednesdays and Saturdays, my, my dad worked half days. So in the summer, I'd go down with him on a Wednesday or a Saturday and hang out in his office while he, he doctored and uh, while he practiced. And then we'd always go to, to Drums Limited and Frank's. And you know that feeling when the, the elevator doors open and you see the ceiling, you know, wall, wall, walls to ceiling, floor to ceiling drums. That magic, it's like the Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory where you see the reveal for the first time and you see the, the, the mountains of chocolate and the rivers of everything, you know. I wanted to kind of create that for myself. Yes, and you in, have. In here, so when I walk in, there's a sense of awe. This is, this is my temple. Yes. And it's also the musical instruments. If for some reason I'm feeling, I'm not feeling it. If something feels not, that's not right. Pull out a different snare drum change out the hi-hats mm -hmm. and all of a sudden i'm going down a road that i i didn't know i'd be going down that day you know it's right. the, the instrument in, inspires me the way that if you if you held up a les paul or you put a 12 string acoustic in your hand different things are going to come out of you mm -hmm. so that's kind of you know and i think that that comes from my father even though my father looked at drums a little bit more as as a not something to spend all your money on, but <laughs> he looked at it as a tool to make the money, not spend all your money on it. But but for me, I I find it to be completely inspiring, awe-inspiring actually, yes. uh, to, to to come out here and and, uh, and to be surrounded by these things that each kind of has a soul to me. You posted your father playing on um, I think Facebook where I saw it. He was a wonderful drummer. Yeah. Yeah, man, he was a wonderful drummer. Narda, he had the most gorgeous, beautiful press roll, buzz roll. Yeah, I don't know anybody play. I wish I had a video of it because it is, it is, uh, it's unbelievable. But he he was like, like he loved Davy Tuff. Like that was sort of his thing. He wasn't a big chops guy. He loved just like the the the, the big fat quarter note, you know, driving the band, setting up kit, kicks, dropping the bombs, and that was the excitement to to him. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I remember at a, a certain point, you know, when I was a kid, because I was trying to learn all these things mm -hmm. that he just looked at me. And after he taught me how to read, you go through the Haskell Hare books and stuff like that. He goes, there's really nothing more I can show you. Wow. You know, and that was kind of, wow. was kind of a heavy moment. And, and I kind of took it like, oh yeah, yeah, not, but not really. But, mm -hmm. but he was, he was kind of, kind of serious about it, mm -hmm. you know, things like, double pedals and double bass and you know and, and like linear thing he was what you know that was he was just he was just playing four four you know yeah so then who became um who became inspiration for you i know you love a lot of the english cats 
Was anybody on the English side for the play of the Devil Basin that was a big, big part of you as well? Well, I, I, I would have to go back to, to Danny Serafine on Chicago, too. Oh, yeah, okay, the Royal Chicago. That was a record I, I would listen to all day, every day. That along with uh, um, Basie Plays Hefty with Sonny Payne. Oh, of course. Um, now, I, those aren't double bass cats, but I remember hearing uh, um, so in the ballet for Gorilla Buchanan where he's playing a doom. With, with one foot and that you know i'm three years old and that's blowing my mind you know like my foot's like um but as far when i sort of got hit to double bass uh it was right around kind of the, one of the early uh um departure journey that was a big one for me and then simon phillips with blow by blow then you know the visions uh, with you um someone played um Quadrant four for me when I was seven years old, and I just learned Detroit Rock City by Kiss. I thought that was a great shuffle, and then they put in Quadrant four, and I, I you know, I was ill prepared to uh, handle that reality at, at that young age. But, I wanna, can you can you speak a little bit more about something that we kind of skim over sometimes, but it's really, 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 really important. Sure. You can play the pocket and the swing, on the shuffle. That is commendable can you speak about that at all man is there anything you want to say about that makes it like yeah okay i know, I know you're talking about <laughs> well you know boy you know first of all I'm, I'm sort of flabbergasted at that compliment thank you yeah um you know it's it's got a swing and then there's varying degrees of swing of how you know how open is that triplet and then it's got a pocket well what kind of pocket do you, you want to have you know what i mean so there's all these degrees of the space where you can pull the rubber band so you know you you could you know whether you're looking at something like pamela by with by toto with jeff Picaro, or spectrum or uh Roy Haynes' time on a ride symbol, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, there's all these things that when I have to play something, it, you're, you know what I mean? You're computing all these influences and you try to come up with the recipe of wh what do I think is right for this feel and what's the, the right response to this music or how's the bass player responding to this? Is he pulling back? Maybe I'm a little too... Uh, maybe I'm a little too aggressive. Maybe I'm a little too bitey. Maybe I need to chill it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, those are the, the, the spoken or unspoken things that you go through with bandmates when you're trying to figure out what, what feels right. right. But if something's swinging, it's, it's kind of undeniable. Right, you know? exactly. it, it, it's, and, and that's what, what I, I never want to be square, man. When, mm -hmm. I want to be square when it should be round. You know? mm -hmm. Speak to the common man that does not play the drums, does not does not really understand where you go when you go high in your spirit playing the drum. Speak to that common man, inspire the common man who looks at the drums and looks at God, you. Tell that person where you go, where you can go. Give us that experience. If everything's firing on all cylinders and you, you capture a moment that feels authentic and honest and you're doing everything it feels for the right reasons and you know use a basketball metaphor it's like when the hoop becomes six feet you know everything is just nothing but net you go to a place that is is on another plane and it's timeless 
So I, I would say to anyone that wants to play the drums or paint or sculpt or, or do anything where you are creative, you get into a hopeful, you hopefully get into a, a, a place where time doesn't exist or it exists on, on, a, on a different plane and things just are. And I think for me, the, the moments that you kind of get that peek behind the veil of another dimension, that's the drug, that's the thing that, that keeps keeps me coming back having those moments like you know you've, you've you've played with someone and you look over and you both did something that you both felt and knew and that was great but you can't analyze it you can't break it down you can't it's not it's unquantifiable but you had that moment and you'll love that guy forever just for having shared that one moment that is such an unbelievable thing in life if you're an artist and if you're lucky enough to be able to allow yourself to get to that place, be lucky enough to be working with other people that can get to that same sensation themselves, because now you're up on a higher plane having that conversation instead of down here. And that's just an unquantifiable thing. It's almost an out-of-body experience. And it doesn't happen every time, all the time, you know? That's what I'm saying. The spirit in the music and the spirit in the drummer is really, really important thing that we don't talk about too much, but we need to, because that is like where that magic comes from. We can't even analyze it. We just pray it happens. Yes. I, I, I get asked a lot of times about switching okay. back and forth between magic grip and traditional grip and why I do it. And the analytical part of it would be, well, some things feel better this way, some things feel better that way. But as, as you well know, if you play one way or another, it might inspire some other ideas or a spirit. Like all of a sudden, if I start thinking uh, Stuart Copeland or, or mm. Tony Williams, mm. I don't think I'm going to play their licks. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking I want a little bit of that spice of that spirit injected in here. But with, with me saying it, I'm inspired by a spirit. And so by changing the grip, that is a conduit that might help uh get to, to that to to convey that spirit with greater clarity yeah beautiful speak about listening i'm sorry i didn't hear you what speak about listening <laughs> <laughs> good at um <laughs> you know when when you are playing music and you're allowing yourself to be honest and trying to react what's going on you have an easier time hearing what's going on rather than coming in with premeditated ideas of what you think might be cool or you know would be really hip or impressive if I inject this type of thing in here and, and you sort of go in with a, with a game plan. And I'm, we're all guilty of that sometimes because we might hear something you know hear a demo and go oh this would be cool but then when you go sit to, to do it it doesn't work. And, and you go, oh, okay. And, and you go through the Rolodex of your mind and you try to think, okay, what, well, what, what would make this work? And very often, for me anyway, I find that by simplifying things, things slide in easier than me trying to figure out how can I cure cancer and emphysema with the difficulty of the drumnastics and try to in, inject that. In, in, you know what I mean? Because now it's coming, it's coming from a different place. But if you're listening, and you're honest, it, that's the, 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 the road widens for you, you know? I love that, the road widens, which brings me to this part of the road. 
Here you're a magnificent technician on the drums. You're right up there with the best of the best of the best. Yet when you listen to your album, you're not featuring that so much. You're really featuring you as a songwriter, a singer, and deep and romantic chords. That of which I would hear with moody blues. That of which I would hear with a very romantic person in love. Wow. Not this chop city cat. <laughs> speak about it. Speak about it. Well, look, I, you know, a lot of credit has to go to, to my writing partner and production partner, J.K. Harrison, who is a prolific uh, writer. And, and, and working with him is like walking into a museum of sketches and demos and things that are done and things that are ideas. And you just walk around in his world and go, I like this. This is great. Or like, oh, what if we did this with that? Mm. And so it was a a joy to write coming from such a position of strength mm -hmm. of having this guy who has written cathedrals of beauty and can sit down and paint Mona Lisa's on every instrument, you know, from the heart. So that a lot of credit goes there. And, and it's just, you know, my, my good fortune and my good luck to have him as a friend and, and have him harass and cajole, cajole me for a number of years about doing a record. He believed in me when I, I thought, dude, there's no, I can't do that. He's like, yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it like the way a little kid wants to be an astronaut or, or a, a NFL quarterback, you know, gee, I just don't have the talent to do it. Um, but he believed in me and he, he pushed me and he said, let's try it. Can we just, let's just try it okay, at the very least, I'll be hanging out with a dear friend and we're going to have a bunch of laughs and who knows. So it was really the second night where we wrote the song Last Flight Home together in like a lightning round of, you know, it's one of those times I'm sure you've experienced where in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, a song's basically done. And you wish it was always that easy, you yeah, know, right. like, gee, songwriting's fun. <laughs> yeah, um, okay. And all of a sudden, Narda, this thing started to materialize in front of me. And the thought occurred to me, because I went into this totally half-hearted. I was just hanging out with my pal. Okay. You know? And when all of a sudden, this began to materialize rather rapidly and rather easily, I, it scared me. It, it terrified me because the thought of being a singer was something I'm comfortable behind the drums and okay. I'm comfortable singing in a background capacity, like in a situation with the guys in sticks who I consider great singers. Right. And all I have to do is just not screw them up, you know, just sing in tune, be okay. And they'll carry it. I, I you know, but to come out, you know, it's, a, it's metaphorically standing naked in front of the world or, and here I am like that. And it terrified me. It terrified me to the point where I thought, you're not really going to do this, are you? you? You can't really do this. And then I started to imagine in my mind, I went down a dark path of, of, of you know, hey, Zuckerman, what do you think? You're a big singing star now. Why don't you shut up and sit down and shut up and play? You know, I started to imagine all these scenarios. And then I thought, you know what? Being that I'm this terrified of it, that's exactly where I need to be. I need to do something that terrifies me this much rather than just putting together some drum-centric record where I get to solo a lot and, and play in between kicks, which would be fun, but actually writing a lyric and a melody and chords in a song that, that has the potential to emotionally 
affect people like that as opposed to just hot licks. I think, dare I say, I think that's a more difficult musical task to do. So I wanted to go down that road that I had not ever walked before in in 50 years on this planet. So that was really the, the impetus to do it. And, you know, man, it's it's music and it's art. Some people are going to like it. Some people aren't going to like it. That's fine. But I wanted to at least be able to stand behind every line, every sound on there and go, you might not like it, but you can't say it sucks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That, that, that's what I, I wanted to be like. It's good if you like sophisticated pop, if you like elbow crowded house, jellyfish, XTC, mm-hmm. you might like this. Mm-hmm. Um and and that really became the goal as I went along learning. Yes. As I I, I went along, um, and I say that case in point because to to kind of circle back to what you'd asked before. Uh, one song is coming to mind. A song ad lib everything where yes. I thought, okay, there's there's moments for a couple cool drum things in here. I thought in mm-hmm. between the lines of the chorus, yeah. and what happened when I went to record that because I I did the vocals first because I wanted to hear how everything was going to be right and when I went to record those fill ideas it 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 ruined it 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 wasn't it wasn't right because it felt I felt it came from a premeditative place premeditated place Mm -hmm. and it it was like in between vocal line and here's cool drum thing and then back to the singer it 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 disrupted the the uh or uh, the organism the organic flow of what was happening and i thought this doesn't work simplify it simplify it and make it flow make it flow make make, be one with the track don't and for as much as i like to think that i I want to play for the song and I try to play for the song every now and then the drummer ego can, can sneak around a fortress of experience and try to get a little sunlight uh, you know, on, on that face, you know, and like, yeah. okay. So that was a very a, a deep learning experience for me now being on that side of things where I would, would have turned around to me as the drummer and went, was that necessary? Mm-hmm. I see. I got you. Well, I love your album. Uh, because it is of beauty in the sense of melody and song. Thank you. Yeah, man. I want. I want to. I want to encourage you. I want to inspire you. Continue. Keep doing it. Keep it up. Get your little live thing together where you can do your thing out front. Play some drums. <laughs> also, come out front and do and do your thing. Oh, Style that song the way you would, you know, normally as the singer. Wear that hat. In fact, I love. You bold, bad, badass enough to make that video, man. Karen, <laughs> from the circus, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I told someone else recently, you know, someone said, hey, man, you can really sing. I said, yeah, if I have, if I have eight chances to sing every line, I can, I can put them together pretty well. <laughs> you. you know, it's like it's singing, man, what a hard thing, you know. It, it's like not, not only do you have to sing in tune, sing in time but you have to connect with the lyric each Mm -hmm. lyric and then put it together like you're telling a story or you're like an actor telling a story or you're really living it you know what i mean it's it's i i think anything that's really inauthentic can be perceived by some people Mm -hmm. um so it was really important to connect with each lyric and have them all connect to each other 
And that was a learning experience. I, I always had the utmost respect for singers anyway. Mm-hmm. But even more so now, whether you're Pavarotti or Bob Dylan, you know, like the, the way that you get something across, it's a, that's a heavy realm. What about you flexing your production chops now you've done this album to produce something with sticks with the band that you're with and take them even to now a new place? How, how would you feel about that? Well, you know, I, I think right right now we're we're in a sort of different renaissance where where Tommy has been particularly inspired and has worked with a guy, Will Ivankovich. And so they did the mission together and we have another record where I just recorded the, the tracks here in June um, that will hopefully come out sometime next year and I'm really excited about that. Okay. So they're they're kind of working as a team and I'm very much the, the the drummer in that. And and that's 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 okay for for me for right now because I dug being able to do this project, uh, work with a guy, uh, finally George in England where I didn't really produce his thing because he had it together, but I know I worked really hard on that record with him as if we were working on it together. It was more than just the drum tracks. Are you cool? You like it? Cool. Thank you very much. There was a, a, a much bigger thing going on there. And so I'm going to be doing that again with him. Great. Great. Um, so we'll, we'll see, man. Like, dude, you know, it, I couldn't have guessed or authored uh, or foreseen anything that's, that's happened to me in, in life. And I kind of dig not knowing what's going to happen right. because those surprises that, 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 hopefully you know continue to come they're surprising dude i find any time that i've been too proactive and i think man you know what you know what i got to do i got to do this i got to do that and what when i when i get on that plane i find things turn into ghosts a little bit more and things don't materialize and i find that if i don't care Mm -hmm. and i just kind of roll with the flow of things Mm -hmm cool things just sort of float to me and cool opportunities or I get asked to do something when I'm peaceful and uh, calm and and kind of don't care and kind of in the moment as opposed to making plans. I got to do this. I got to do, you know, it'd be cool if I did this, that, and I I see people who live their lives like that. And I sometimes go, I see people that aren't smelling the roses. They may, they may have success. They may have money. They may have all, all these things, but at the end of life, did you enjoy it? Or were you just on a hamster wheel checking off lists? You know what I mean? So that's the balance that I try to to go for, circling all the way back to the Chicago vibe. Yes. There's part of me that's very driven. Yes. And there's part of me that's very intense. And there's part of me that doesn't want to get off the couch. Mm-hmm. Or, I, or I'm in my backyard and I'm at peace. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm just kind of doing my thing. So, I would like to um, play like this word game with you where I just say a couple names or names to you and you give me a word back how it hits you. Would that be all right? Okay, yeah, by all means. Um, today being, uh, is it John Lennon's birthday today? Yeah, he would have been 80. Say something about John Lennon. W- one word or say a bunch of things? You can say either one word or you can say what you feel. I don't want to limit you. Uh, he, he wasn't a perfect man, but he changed the world for the better. Yeah, wow. um, 
it's hard to believe that he's been gone, well, as, as of de de December 8 coming up, that he would have been gone as long as he was on this planet. But his, how, how do you quantify what he and the other three did for the world? Uh, it, 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 it goes beyond good music. Right. Uh, it, it, it literally, uh, it, it changed the world and I wish it had changed the world more in, in the times we're in now, but when, for me, having been born in 1969 and I didn't live that in real time, but there's part of me that is happy that I was born in the time where there was still a band. There's yeah. something about that, that in, in my soul that means something to me. It's yeah. like, I, I. I touched that in time. That's right. Um, but I never knew what it was like to have the experience of the new Beatles record is out and going to the store and getting Revolver or the White Album or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I was bereft of that experience. I want to ask a personal question. When you are playing and you find yourself extremely high, who is that person or who are those persons that you have found next to you at that time? They, they understand spiritually speaking that height. Who would you say they are that comes to you? As, as other drummers or people in my life people that you, that you, that have pushed you when you're playing, when you're playing the drums, you know, when, when I, boy, okay. I think there's moments that it, it becomes like a Jackson Pollock painting in a way where there's flashes and fragments of something, even if it was my vantage point of a memory or a flash of, you know, my high school band director or uh, high school drumline uh, director, or just there, there are these flashes that, 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 that come by almost in a spirit realm where I don't see them. And here's a, 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 a visualization of like, hey, that's Bill Cook and that's Jerry Davidson or that's, that's Skip Hayden or there's Ian Froman or there's Gary Chafee, or whatever it is, there's flashes of, of, of an essence that are all in this marbled uh, Jackson Pollock painting where it might be 3D where things come in like, like that, where it's just flashes for a, a moment and it's wow! I've never had to try to, I've never had to try to verbalize that. That's a cool mm -hmm. question, Marta. Um, I, I felt intuitively to wear my high school music hat for you today. That's a trip. That's yeah. a trip. I, I got my uh, Jerry Davis, and he just he just died last month. Uh, but there's a there's a Ludwig Pioneer drum up there. No, I see it. I can he, see he, it. He yes. gave me uh, about seven eight years ago. Uh, he, he sent it to me, and you know you know how life goes. It, yeah. You know you someone's important to you and Christmas cards might stop and they, they drift off. And then all of a sudden there's the internet and there's Facebook and then you connect with someone. I, hey, come to a show. Yes. And you know, I may, I was able to hug him and say like, Hey man, you worked you worked my butt off and thank yeah. you for, oh, for dinner. Me, meanwhile, he just saw me play at, you know, Pine Knob, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the, in the <laughs> outside of D Detroit. Yeah. Um, uh, so l life is amazing to have that, that experience. And then those, those spirits, whether they're here in this realm or not, uh, I, I think they, they will always fluctuate in this, this organi 
whatever, what, whatever matter is, you know, and I, I think those, uh, well, I think that that will always be the case if you're open to it. Beautiful. I love it. Brother man, I'm going to close, but I want to ask you anything you want to say at this time before we get off, because we love you. Uh, well, I love you, man, and, and thank you for, for the, the decades of all kinds of music that you have uh, created or been a part of. Uh, it's absolutely incredible, and it's an honor for me to, to call you a friend yeah. and to have had uh, shared this, this hour with you in that time in New York. And I, 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 I just hope that uh, one day soon um, I could give you a big bear hug in person and, and we, can, uh, we, can, we can hang out and we can do this together. Thank you. I want to tell you, it meant a lot for me to think about working today with you, to speak with you in my hat from high school, which I knew you had love for high school, uh, and my jacket with the sparkle red. Something about that said, Todd needs to see sparkle red. White and red were my high school colors. See now, see? Now, I'm a psychic man. <laughs> and I love your album, and I had a chance to check it out all over again this morning again. You sent me your own copy. I'm so proud you did that. And uh, I want to just, again, encourage you to continue making your records because you got, you're a genius drummer, but you also got this other side of you, man, which is a whole entertainer. And that's in that, in that realm too, which I think is a cool thing because you have this love for the 60s thing coming through you. And we can dig on that again. We don't lose it. We don't want to lose that. So keep it alive. You do in your nature and your, and what you hear and what you go for. So your, your, you your, your words have gravitas and I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Okay. 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 Thanks, Todd. All the love and I'm here for you, whatever you need. Okay. Okay, brother. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, man. What a joy. What a, what a joy. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this beautiful interview with Todd Sugarman. He's uh, an, an incredible talent on those drums. Um, one of the rare, rare, rare beauties hailing out of the Midwest, playing with that band, Sticks, did beautiful work with the Beach Boys, beautiful work with everybody. So God bless you, Todd. Thanks for the beautiful interview, and I want to inspire you to stay as strong as you are. Love you, Todd. Thank you, everybody, for watching this week's Modern Drummer Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode exclusively on Podcast One. Until then, stay safe and healthy. And thanks for listening and watching. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.